Good morning, everybody. My name is Larry Jacobs. This is 3K12 Education Talk Radio, and it is the 13th of November, 2023. Thank you for being with us today. We've got, besides you, we have Dr. Molly Ness, our good friend from Learning Ally, where she is the Vice President of Academic Content. You're probably seeing that up on your screen right now. And we're going to talk about Molly's new book, her fifth book. Congratulations, Molly. We'll bring you on in just a second. All about read alouds for all learners. And this is the interesting part to me, grades pre-K through eight. And we're going to talk about how that fits in in grade eight, because I taught grade eight, and this never occurred to me at all. So we'll talk to Molly about that. And also, congratulations to my good friends over at Learning Ally. The company is 75 years old this year. Congratulations on that 75 years of service to students and teachers and to the uh, the whole world of education. So thank you, Learning Ally. We're going to archive the show over at ace-ed.org. Take a minute, go over there, ace-ed.org, our home website for our American Consortium for Equity in Education. And our magazine, Equity and Access, is over there. All the podcasts like this one are archived over there. Our Excellence in Equity Awards program, all the information is over there, plus a ton of other stuff, all free. So please go over and see what we're doing for equity. Honor yourselves and your colleagues with our Excellence in Equity Award and read some good stuff about what's going on in pre-K-12 equity these days, ace-ed.org. Without further ado, the one, the only, Dr. Molly Ness. Hi, Molly. It's Larry here. Good to hear from you again. Good to have you on the show. I, I almost said you were 75 years old, and I didn't know how much the company was, but I know you're much younger than that. Right, not even there are that. some days I feel that old, though. <laughs> Getting to be winter pretty soon, so you're going to feel that way a lot more days. Okay, till we get back to spring again. It is getting to be winter in Maine. Where are you today? I am in Westchester County, New York, right outside of the city. Yes, it is. Hasn't moved in years, Westchester County. Okay, good part of the world. Okay, <laughs> I got. I got to tell you. Hey, congrats on your fifth book. Okay, I'm going to read the whole title here. Okay, read alouds for all learners. A comprehensive plan for every subject, every day. And then this is the part that I have to ask you about grades pre-K through eight, through eight. Okay, I taught eighth, seventh, eighth, ninth grade, tenth grade. It's a, no, nobody ever thought about a read aloud. Help me. Why is this appropriate for? Be, I'll say beyond elementary school. We'll go into that. Molly, help me. Then we're going to get into the details. Absolutely. Well, we know the benefits of read alouds don't stop when kids sort of move past the sitting in front of the teacher on the in the rocking chair, young children reading, uh, <laughs> listening to a read aloud from a picture book. We know that read alouds um, are one of the best ways to build language comprehension, students' ability to build background knowledge and vocabulary. And we know that um, students, their listening comprehension far ex- exceeds the comprehension of the text that they encounter um, in independent reading until about eighth grade. So as we read aloud in content areas at upper middle school, we um, provide access to vocabulary and background knowledge that they might not encounter on their own. So in my opinion, the way I read this, the kids are reading aloud, right, with the teacher there. Am I correct? No, the teacher is is reading aloud from a wide variety of texts 
we we sort of all have the idea of of the read aloud um, being, you know, the teacher reading a picture book as she sits in the rocking yeah. chair and the kids are on the the couch, the, uh, the floor in yeah. front of her. And and really what we know is a social studies teacher can read aloud from a me. speech that a uh, political figure that they're studying um, is is uh, ha- delivered. We know that a physical education teacher, if they're starting a new unit um, on a new sport, say volleyball, it's a great idea to sh- take the, the rules of the Volleyball Association and read them aloud to students. A science teacher um, who is beginning a unit about global warming can pick up a newspaper and read aloud from the stories of raising temperatures and yeah. El Nino and all these different opportunities. So it's not just we read picture books from start to finish, but we look for opportunities to do read-alouds in short bursts throughout the day. Yeah. Are the kids following along in the same text at their desks or whatever? Or how, how do you see this? I mean, are, the, are the kids following or are the kids just sitting there and I have to ask these questions because this really this topic really struck me over, over the last few days as I was preparing for it. Okay, but, but what are the kids doing while you're reading aloud? You're the teacher, Molly. Congratulations. Get your class under control, so, young lady. Yeah. Well, there's there's lots of things that the <laughs> students could be doing. Students, some students may just be sitting and attending to the teacher as he or she is is listening. That may be all that they're able to do at that point. Other kids may have a pad of sticky notes and they're generating questions, jotting down questions that they have as the teacher reads. So the the kids don't need a copy of the text themselves. It actually sort of frees up lots of possibilities when we're not then having to get student copies of the text. Um, So the kids are really just listening and attending and we know that that is going to help build their executive function, their ability to attend to text and again give them that language comprehension when we have conversations about the science of reading we're we're so sort of hyper focused on the word identification skills the ability to lift words off the page but we know that in order for students to be proficient readers they have to have vocabulary and background knowledge and not, and use of language right. structures and all of those things are possible when teachers read aloud to them have you seen – this is, this is really interesting to me because, I, I, again, it's been a long time since I was a teacher, and I, and I was a 7th, 8th grade, 9th, 10th, whatever, a social studies teacher, okay? And I can't remember ever reading aloud to kids, okay? Ever, you know, I know kids read aloud, and I read aloud to my kids when they were little, okay? But never in class like that. At least I don't remember it, okay? And this, to me, is absolutely fascinating. Is anybody – Get, get, getting this idea to, I'll, I'll just say, social studies teachers that you got to read aloud. Well, Besides you, Molly, well, you're always you're always the best. Molly Ness is the best. You can take that to the uh, <laughs> the bank. Okay, so I'm well, curious. And that, where is this in, in the scheme this of things? Book. Good. Well, good. I wrote this book exactly to give the message of the power of read alouds and the importance to thoughtfully plan for read alouds, and that every teacher could should, gets to, has the opportunity to, um, to read aloud. And what we know is that kids actually really enjoy it. There's a, uh, a trend in the data that shows that um, we as teachers and as parents typically stop reading aloud to kids right around third or fourth grade. It's called the decline exactly. at nine. Yeah. 
And um, what we know is that we sort of assume that kids can read on their own or kids think it's too babyish or what have you. But survey results of kids show that they wish their teachers or their parents continued to read aloud um, as they get older. So we know it's something that um, students are asking for or wishing for. And we also know that most teachers really have positive associations with read alouds. It's their favorite time of the class of the day. When I was a sixth grade teacher, my kids would come back from recess. We had a combined recess and lunch block and kids would come back totally hyped up, you know, talking about whatever had happened in the lunchroom or recounting what had happened in, you know, volleyball or what have you. And I right away did a 10-minute read aloud. And it was sort of the welcome back to the classroom, settle in, get your bodies calm, get your minds ready to read. And it really created a whole community of readers and gave my students access to text that they would not have gotten to on their own because their reading mm-hmm. skills were lower than the information that I was reading aloud to them. So they could, that's, a, that's an important point. So was there was – there, I understand this the right way. Was their listening comprehension better than their, quote, reading comprehension? What do, you know, my question is, what are we trying to accomplish by this? Are we trying to accomplish – I know you're an expert in linguistics. Are we are trying to accomplish that, or are we trying to get them to understand the facts that I'm reading? Let's just say I read well, something from the Declaration. Go for it, Molly. Yeah. There are so many benefits of read-alouds, and fortunately the research about reading-aloud shows how many um, sort of the multifaceted ways in which students benefit from read-alouds. Their language improves. Their background knowledge improves. Their vocabulary improves. Their um, ability to identify themselves as readers improves as teachers read aloud to them. Their um, tendencies and habits of independent reading improve. There are a wide variety of socio-emotional benefits when um, kids listen to a teacher or parent read aloud. We actually know there's some pretty mind-blowing research now that's showing physiological benefits um, when kids listen to read to read alouds. Their heartbeat sort of calm. Their respiration increases. Um, Children who are hospitalized and listen to a parent or caregiver read aloud, um, they report, they self-report lower levels of pain um, because of listening to a read aloud. So there's just such a wide variety of um, benefits for wow. reading aloud to children, and, and they're, they're, they're across all populations of children, um, children who have special needs, children who are, are language, are, are learning English. Um, so there are just, there's I would just think such that a would be powerful important. body. Yeah. Absolutely. There's just so many reasons to read aloud. And fortunately, we are at a time when there is such rich material to choose from um, that it should be one of the, the cornerstones and the highlights of our instructional <laughs> day. Well, what, what's the psychology behind this? You know, I, I, this is actually a funny way to put this. My, 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 my son and his wife are, are getting a new dog, a puppy, from a breeder. And, what, and you're going to think I'm nutty here. One of, the, one of the things they bought to when they bring home the dog, okay, is they bought a little heartbeat machine. So when the little puppy sleeps, it, it hears a heartbeat like it heard up until the day they took it from its mommy. Okay, isn't that cute? That's adorable. Okay, 
My, my question is, so think of the same way. Psychologically, kids are being at read to when they're very young and through whatever in their house by mommy and daddy. Okay? And is there some kind of psychological thing to reading aloud that makes people feel more at home or something or more cuddly? Oh, or absolutely. Or what, you know what I'm saying. Okay? It's like a little absolutely. heartbeat. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, yeah. it, it absolutely creates this community um, of interaction around a text, um, around a shared experience. Um, we have those warm, fuzzy feelings when we are read to. And I should say that there's actually some pretty compelling research um, starting to look at um, older um, older adults, uh, people in senior citizen homes, mm-hmm. who their memory increases as they're read to. Um, so there are just so many reasons to. We actually start to see um, cool. children who display um, behavioral challenges um, when they are read to. Parents and caregivers report fewer incidents of frustration and outbursts and some of those challenging parent behaviors. So again, this is one of those I wouldn't call it an intervention. I would call it an interaction no. that is free and it's easily to, easy to do and applicable to everybody. And that there are just so many benefits. Um, there's actually speaking about um, your your family getting a dog. There's actually um, sort of a, a, in a little bit of a different twist. But there's um, some research showing that when kids read aloud to dogs or stuffed animals, that their self-efficacy, their confidence in themselves as readers increases because that dog or that stuffed animal is kind of a, a, a neutral party. They're not going to make fun of them. They um, associate it more with pleasure because, you know, the dog's not going to say, you, you pronounce that word wrong or you sound dumb or what have you. So there's a whole <laughs> program of kids reading aloud to shelter dogs um, and seeing huge benefits from that. Wow. Yeah, now, now, and my, my, my son's dog will be so smart, it will be reading to my son. I'm looking forward to that. Okay, this will be a very smart dog. Okay, yeah. a yellow lab, by the way. Okay, um, does it matter? Here's a good one. Okay, if a teacher is reading aloud, all right, let's say it's a teacher, all right, what if they just, what if they just played a recording? And say, hey, we yeah, can listen. So, this is uh, this is sure. the audio book. This is Joe Jones. He's re- he's reading the Chronicles of Narnia. Here, listen to this. Okay, that's the same thing. Uh, well, so I'm a big ben- a, a big fan of of audiobooks. Obviously, my work yeah. at Learning Ally is all about the power of audiobooks. Um, of course, uh, and they right. they certainly have a power and a role. The one um, challenge, though, when we just put on a an audio book and we, we lose the powerful interactions where a teacher can stop and say, hey, you know, this reminds me of the field trip that we just went on, or this is just like somebody in our classroom. So if you're going to use an audiobook in lieu of the teacher providing the read aloud, I'd want to make sure that the, uh, the, the student can, the teacher still has the ability to stop and sort of connect to the kids in the classroom. Um, you can't, one, one of the things I was really conscious of when I was a teacher is literally sort of reading the room as I was reading aloud. I could see when my students were losing <laughs> focus, and I might, you know, fast forward a little bit, or I could see when they were confused, and I might sort of explain a little bit. So um, that teacher-delivered read aloud um, certainly has more opportunities to do that 
Um, but of course, those audiobooks are a great way to get at it because we don't always have the energy to deliver a really high quality read aloud. I'm just going to say that I, because the quality of an audio book has a lot to do with the, the narrator. Okay. Absolutely. And we've all we've all stopped yeah, audio books that the that. narrator. Yep. Sure. Yeah. They can make it come a lot, and it's it's actually some. I have to say this the right way. I I think help me out here. I think that once you get into middle school, where the teachers are more subject oriented, as opposed mm-hmm. to elementary school. Okay, they're trained differently. If I may. Okay. Um, what are you finding among key, you when you did your research for all this? Again, the, I have the book uh, linked here, but it's read aloud for all learners, Molly's book. Okay. Um, grades K-8. Okay. Uh, what are you hearing from teachers in 7th, 8th, 9th, well, 7th and 8th grade, 6th, 7th, 8th? Okay. Middle school teachers, subject-oriented people, not that they don't like kids. They're not used to this kind of thing. Talk to me. What, what, what do teachers need yeah, to know? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and the, the statistics show that the, the, um, at the middle school level, content area teachers read aloud with much less frequency. Um, and so a big part of, of the book is to show um, the ways in which a, you know, eighth grade biology teacher or a sixth grade civics teacher can still embrace those read alouds. And I'm certainly not saying that, you know, that eighth grade biology teacher is going to you know necessarily read aloud from a picture book, but there's all sorts of opportunities to connect to our content um, through reading aloud. Be it um, you know a uh, a picture book that explains a complicated subject more sure. concisely, or um, you know reading aloud from speeches, or there's just so many opportunities to do it. And um, again, we're not talking about providing. Ex- Explicit instruction in reading within that content area, but using those texts that we read aloud to bolster and to strengthen um, our content delivery. And does it does? And I, I mentioned this kind of earlier. And I know you mean that a teacher reads aloud, but what if they say, let's say they devote 20 minutes to this, a half hour to this, and halfway through they say, okay, let's have each of you read a paragraph. How does that affect I everything? Think, what is that yeah. bad or good? So I would want to make sure that the students, if they were reading aloud to a partner or to the class, that they were they had already seen the text. In other words, we don't really want to kind of cold call kids and say, you know, Johnny, you read page one, Susie, you read page two. That's a practice called round yeah. robin reading, which we we know is it's not particularly effective. Yeah, it's not particularly effective. Uh, it takes a whole lot of instructional time, causes a whole lot of um, sort of, for our, uh, particularly for our struggling readers, a whole lot of issues with confidence, and yeah, doesn't it does. really it does. serve our, our sure. And it doesn't actually really serve our readers in our classroom who are stronger readers because they're just listening to their colleagues. They're not necessarily getting a better model. So if we're going to do some of that reading aloud where kids are reading aloud, I would, I would make sure that the text is something that they've already seen and had the chance to rehearse rather than just sort of that cold That's a great idea. I love of, that. Well thought out. That, that, that reminds me, what grade was I? I was probably in third or fourth grade, okay? And the teacher who probably had a, was so far behind on her work, okay, she assigned us to read a short story, but we had a – I just love telling the story – she had, to read, she had us read it aloud, one sentence 
per kid. We just went around the room in our little rows. Okay. Sure. So sometimes the sentence was the word, oh, and that was it. That was the sentence. <laughs> okay. But there was a word in it. I'll never, I'll never forget this. R-O-G-U-E-S. Rogues. Okay. It's about yep. Steve, a little bunch of thieving guys. Rogues. All right. Which the first kid who saw it read it as, never saw the word before, read it as Rogers. And yep. so with 20 kids ahead of me, everybody who saw the word read it as Rogers. The teacher wasn't paying any attention because she had work to do. <laughs> okay. And I was hoping when it got, to, I still remember this. I was hoping when it got to me, I would have the word. So the kids would all go, oh, you said it wrong. And the teacher would correct it. Okay. But she did. <laughs> well, it never happened. And to this day, they probably all read rogues as Rogers. Okay. The absolutely. Teacher, it, was and, a, and, it was the most ridiculous day. I, and she must have been like, you better get this done this afternoon, Suzanne, or whatever. You know, the principal must Well, have. and yeah. think about how much precious instructional time was used on that. And chances oh, are ridiculous. in that classroom, there were, you know, there was the kid next to you who wasn't listening to the kid who was reading aloud, but instead was elbowing their neighbor and saying, how do you pronounce this one? So, you know, exactly. they wouldn't get laughed at. And exactly. yeah. um, so it's not, you know, it's, it's round robin reading is uh, one of those instructional trends that um, we just, I, I kind of think of it as like a New York City cockroach. You just can't get rid of it. Um, we've all sort of grown up with those experiences. Yeah. That's why she's in but, Westchester, ladies and gentlemen. That's why she's in Westchester. Yeah. <laughs> Although I hear there is a, a pizza-eating rat somewhere around Westchester. Is that true? <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. It's, it's funny. It's, I'm talking a long time ago now, Molly, but I still remember that. I was so ticked sure. off. And I was I, sure. I was going to raise my hand and say, this is the wrong word. But, A, I didn't want to look like a jerk in front of all my classmates. And, B, the teacher wasn't paying any attention anyway. I would, I'd still have my hand up, okay, if I yep. put it up. Yep. so far behind in something. It was just – it just struck me. So it really doesn't work, okay? But reading it, aloud does. So how do you – how long – how long should reading aloud take? Now, you said you did it just when the kids came back from lunch, so I'll assume 15 minutes. Well, what's, what's, yeah, I did what about works? 10 yeah. to 15 minutes. And I, I absolutely understand the time constraints of schools. There may be a biology teacher who has 40 minutes, and they have a whole lot of content to cover, so maybe it's more like eight minutes. I also want to be really clear that it isn't something that we have to do eight minutes start to finish, meaning we can, you know, read aloud from two paragraphs here and then, you know, teach a bit of our lesson and then choose another text and read aloud for four minutes. So we don't have to read aloud from a text that we start and finish in the same day. Um, we don't have to read aloud in, you know, a straight consecutive block. So it's not sort of uh, these, I think of it as these like short little instructional bursts that add up over time. Like they say that you know if you don't have a half an hour to exercise in one in one whole block, like do eight minutes here and ten minutes there, and it's the same thing. We're still getting the same benefits um, when we interject those little read aloud bursts throughout our day. Well, and you know, they, they, and I'll say it again: the elementary teachers read aloud. They they do, and they they. They do good at it, okay? But that is, it's kind of too quickly forgotten as the kids move on. But again, the teachers normally weren't trained. Yeah. To, yeah. It's, it's just, it's, it's stupid. I, this is why this, yeah, go ahead. 
I actually, I would say that there are um, some of us uh, elementary teachers, we often sort of think of the read aloud as a luxury, like it's one of those things that (laughs) if something is, you know, we're running out of time, we'll push the read aloud aside. Or um, one of my favorite picture books, Miss Nelson is Missing, the kids are misbehaving, (laughs) and so their punishment, there's no read aloud for the day. So it's one of those things that sometimes feels like a, oh, I'll do it if I get to it, or I'll do it if my kids earn it. Um, but what we know is the research shows this, there are just so many benefits. It, it has to be a must-do, should-do, get-to-do, want-to-do every day, and not one of those things that kids have to earn or we push aside when our, uh, our day is frenetic or what have you. And, and I want to say the book, and I'll say this again, the book is Read Alouds for All Learners. And I, I just with all the kids when English as a second language, I mean, to me, that's really important, okay, right there. Sure. Okay, but, but this is kind of good for everybody. This is kind of good for everybody, the way I'm hearing it from you. But what if there's kids in the class, you're, you're reading aloud, but some, some kids have already figured everything out. They're just bored, okay? Does everybody have to listen? Is everybody just sitting there listening? You said some kids are taking notes, some kids are nudging the other, but... What if you notice the kids aren't listening? Yeah. Well, I think you have to find what works for your kids. So there may be some kids that um, are jotting a question down on their on their sticky note that we come up to later. Um, There may be some kids. I get that, but I'm talking about the kid who's just not listening, not paying any attention, really. Yeah. So those are the times when I say, you know, pause, I'm going to pause here, turn to your neighbor and explain what is happening so far. So the read aloud doesn't Ooh. necessarily need to be this, this passive sort of you sit and as a kid and get it. There can be lots of interjections and student interactions throughout. So it could be if I have that kid who I think isn't listening, you know, um, turn to your neighbor and say what's been the most exciting part of the the story so far, something that you learned that was new. (laughs) So there can be those student interactions as well, so it doesn't feel like a sort of passive activity for students. And and what are you hearing from – I know know you. You've talked to the – so what are you hearing from the – teachers of the more upper grades of your book? I'm hearing that a lot of people are saying like, wow, the, the read aloud, it used to be this thing that we embraced and then we sort of pushed to the side. And I'm so glad that we are shining the light on it again because wow. of data there is around its value, its benefit. I like doing it and my kids look forward to it. I hear from so many teachers who their kids, you know, they stop the read aloud, they're reading a chapter book, and they'll close the book and say, you know, all right, that's it for today, and the whole class will groan and say, just, you know, one more chapter, please, or what have you, Um, so that it creates that we are all a community of readers and a common language between students, not to mention all of the instructional benefits. So I'm hearing people are saying, like, Thank goodness you're giving me not only permission but a reminder of um, why we should be read, uh, why we should include read alouds, and um, particularly in conversations about the science of reading, how essential read alouds are to building background knowledge and vocabulary. And they also build community. Is there any school wide school wide read alouds? Say that ten times fast. School wide. Read alouds that you know, like where the principal gets on and for five minutes reads something. 
well, there are absolutely so many different um, school-wide, community-wide read-alouds that um, bring together readers of all ages. There are such amazing projects by um, different – I actually – one of the towns that I um, – spend my summer in in Maine, they do a, uh, a yeah. read-aloud, um, they choose a book that the, um, has a film adaptation. So you can go and get, it's usually a middle grade chapter book. You can go pick up a book free. It is supported by a local business. Mm-hmm. The um, families will read it, teachers will read it, and then they will come together on a Friday night in Maine in the winter when there's not much else to do, and they'll watch the no, film adaptation of the, <laughs> of the movie, and they'll have these great conversations between teachers and children and grandparents and cousins and the business owners where they'll say all of those things that we do when we see the film version. Oh, I didn't think the character was going to look like that, or they left out the best part, or the book was better. And what that does is it creates a whole town community of read-alouds, of reading and read-alouds, and a culture of reading. Um, one of those, like, I think it's one of the best low cost, you know, typically what will happen is a business will spend a couple hundred dollars getting multiple copies of the book so that anybody, even if right. they're not a library patron, they can get a copy of it. They will often do, you know, pizzas for the movie night or what have you. And it just really brings people together. They started it actually as a kind of upper elementary school, middle school um, idea. It became so popular that there's now a um, an adult version of it as well as a teenage version. They figured out that the teenagers were sort of too cool to come to the library, so now they actually get a school bus and they all go to a movie theater <laughs> to watch the movie, but it has wow. been highly successful with readers of all ages. Well, there you go. Kind of like a book club. I love it. This is great. Yep. Well, you're always yep. thinking. You're always on the cutting edge. You're always on the cutting edge. Well, I'm fortunate to, to, to I'm, I'm always I'm fortunate to live in a and work in a community where um, people are sharing ideas about how to empower kids as readers and transform kids and communities into cultures of reading. Yeah, we got to do that. And by the way, I want to say this, Molly. Are you still doing your end book deserts podcast? Are you still doing it? I am. The newest episode was so much fun. So I um, followed a uh, a husband and wife author-illustrator couple. They had the crazy idea um, of taking a short school bus, not a full-size school bus, but one of those sort of condensed mm-hmm. school buses, yeah, and sure. transforming it into a living space. They drove, they spent an entire year with their two dogs and four children visiting Title I schools in every state. They drove to all of these schools, handed out books, um, did author and illustrator community school visits, and they spent an entire year doing this. Um, It was called the Busload of Books Tour, and I just interviewed them. I'm about to release the podcast because they got back. They survived a year on the road. They... um, so there were six people, four children. They have a their oldest child is a ninth grader, all the way down wow. to a, a five year old, um, literally living out of this bus, driving to Title One schools all across the country. They uh, they flew to Hawaii, but they actually drove to Alaska, giving out kids books with the support of the first book, um, and really raising awareness about book access um, and 
getting to communities that are often overlooked in terms of yeah. author visits and um, these these literacy events. And they just said it was the most fabulous experience. Um, and bet. so I'll be releasing that one this upcoming week. Um, Bustle of uh, Book that's, Tours. And, and, and by the way, the, the, so the, the Molly's, oh, I'm sorry, the, the podcast is called End Book Deserts to bring attention to the issue of book access and equity, and that's what Molly does in her spare time, if I may. What was the name of the author <laughs> and, and, and his or her spouse? Uh, it is Matthew Swanson and Robbie Bear, E-E-H-R, and they um, they are an author-illustrator team, longtime married college sweethearts raising four human beings of their own, and, <laughs> you know, just had this crazy idea of why don't we live out of a school bus and drive all across the country for an entire year. Pretty great. They should have gotten a bigger bus. <laughs> they they should have gotten the bigger uh, bus, I think. I don't know. Well, they, I don't they know. retrofitted the whole thing. So usually where there's that emergency hatch on the, the roof <laughs> of a bus, they, ha- yep. they had a pop-up tent up there. So the kids slept up there in a queen-size bed. Um, but it was – it was wow. you, you have to listen to them. It's just a comical. They're, they're hilarious, zany, could not be more dedicated to kids and books, um, and just did such an amazing job literally driving across the country. That's great. And, uh, well, I hope I did a little plug for you again. End Book Deserts is Molly's podcast. And her book is linked here. It's read alouds for all learners. Molly, it's always great to have you. I thank you, as always. Thank you. So much fun to and talk. It's great to have you. Okay, I love having you here. So have a good day, good week, and happy oh, – I can say this now. We're getting close enough. Happy Thanksgiving. Have fun. Yep, and happy holiday season where, where it's right around the corner. We are. It's, and you can get your Black Friday sales now already. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> Joy to the world. Okay, thanks, Molly. Take thank care. Thank you so much. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs> joy, joy to the world. Remember when Black Friday actually meant something? Now you can get their advertising. Everything's on sale now. Go figure. All right. Pretty soon it will start July 5th. That's when the holiday season will begin. We'll archive over at ace-ed.org. I'm Larry Jacobs. That was Molly Ness, <laughs> Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio. Thanks for listening. And listen to our podcasts. They're really good. End book death. 